Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to evaluate and decide on multiple job offers. This episode is going to be so important, especially if you want to move towards your dream job, and especially if you want to avoid the jobs that are not going to serve you well. Today, I brought on Byron Clark, founder at CareerSidekick.com. Byron Clark is a former executive recruiter and job search expert. His website, Career Sidekick, is read by more than 1 million people per month. He has been advising job seekers since 2012 to think differently in their job search and land high-paying competitive jobs. As you can see, this episode is going to be amazing. Byron's going to really be instrumental in helping us to decide how to pick the right job when we're offered multiple choices. So let's launch right into it with episode 258 of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Byron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. So I want to launch into this concept of multiple job offers. I know this sounds like a luxury in this day and age, maybe for some people to have multiple options, but I'll ask you this question. Should I strive for multiple job offers? And then if so, then why? And I was talking with a friend the other day who's just talking about their one job offer. And for some people, it just doesn't necessarily make sense to have more than one option. But I want to hear the pitch for why we should have more than one. It's a good question. I think if if some is good, then more is always better. And I want to be clear and say there's nothing wrong with getting one job offer and accepting that one job offer. And that's a successful job search. But having more can't hurt you. Uh, It can give you more confidence to negotiate. It can provide a backup if something falls through at the last minute with one employer. And I always do recommend that job seekers continue to apply for positions until they've signed an offer and set a start date and really secured a position with 100% certainty. Okay. So I do recommend you keep applying. And it's better to have a couple of job offers that you have to reject than to be waiting around for one job offer, hoping, putting everything on the line for that one position, and then having it fall through and having nothing. That makes so much sense. And we can get into later negotiating and the power you have when bargaining for those jobs and the different components of the offer, like salary, things like that. But We had a really good conversation, I think, last time about how to begin thinking about multiple job offers. I love the story you've had in prioritizing the important things in your career. But as a job seeker, how do I begin to think about multiple job offers? What's my starting point? So if if you're lucky enough to be in a position to have multiple job offers, or if you've done well enough to, to have that for yourself, I think it's really important to... Make sure all of your questions are answered with each specific employer. You don't want to have unanswered questions or things that you wish you had more clarity on. When you go home and and decide to compare between the offers, I think it's really vital to sit with, uh, before opening those offers, think about what's important to you and try to list out maybe three to five key uh, areas that you were targeting in your job search or, or things that will make the biggest difference in your life, whether that's salary or being able to work remotely or learning really valuable skills that will help you in future jobs. So thinking about what's important to you, and I'd love if you could bring up the story you had when you were evaluating a job with a recruiter job, because I think you illustrate very much 
the values that were important to you at the time, whether or not it was the right decision, wrong decision. But how, how do I begin to think about what's valuable to myself as a job seeker? So what happened to me, and this was a good lesson, while I was working as a recruiter, another firm approached me and ended up, you know, we went through some conversations. They ended up offering me a recruiter position that paid $20,000 more than what I was currently earning. And I jumped at it and I ended up taking it. I never sat down and thought, okay, why do I need this $20,000? What's going to change in my life with this $20,000? By the way, it's not even 20 because you pay taxes. And, And so it ended up It was in a new city, so I had to leave two really good friends who I was living with uh, out on the edge of Boston. I had to find new random roommates. I had to live much further from my girlfriend at the time, and it ended up being a pretty poor choice. And it wasn't even really what I wanted to be doing professionally anymore. I think I was a little bit tired of recruitment. And so if I had taken a step back and thought about what's going to make my life better, what's going to make my career better, I suspect I would have identified that continuing in recruitment was Probably not right. I think it was time for me to leave that world. And I ended up leaving that job a year later and and saying goodbye to office jobs and corporate recruitment. And I think I also would have realized that $20,000 is not worth leaving a great living situation with friends and being so much further from my girlfriend at the time and just all of the, the other life changes that it brought. Okay. So what do you think you would have said to yourself that was higher on the value priority list? It sounds like it was personal, you know, it was like some lifestyle involved there, right? And like how you deal and interact with the current friends and where you live that that was really important to you and something that wasn't necessarily worth the money. Exactly. Yeah. Things that aren't maybe aren't so tangible, but had a bigger impact on my life and happiness and energy and everything like that at the moment. And I think I already at that point had doubts about I had recruited for four or five years already. And I had thought about wanting to go into software sales or something business to business where I'd be talking to other businesses rather than individuals. And I just sort of threw all those ideas out the window when somebody offered me $20,000 more. And I quickly started that next job. And it was a great firm, great people, but I quickly knew that it was just more of what I was already a little bit tired of. And the $20,000 did not, that doesn't make that any better. It doesn't make it any more exciting to go to work after the first week or the first couple of weeks. And it's so hard to tell ourselves that in the moment, because when you receive the offer and it looks attractive, there are all the benefits that you could imagine, you know, in the moment you might say, hey, this is something that like really excites me. So heck yeah, I'll take it. But I think what we're alluding to here is really stopping to think about what's important to us as job seekers, if we're speaking vicariously and and saying, hey, listen, like these are the values holistically that I need to look at and I need to decide what's most important to me. In this case, money wasn't the most important thing to you. And so I think other job seekers need to hear that message too right now. I think that's the key point here is if you don't list out your three to five most important priorities before opening these job offers up to job offers up to take a close look, you're going to get sidetracked by all these shiny objects and you're going to see, ooh, 25% bonus or ooh, $15,000 more than I'm currently yeah. earning. But if you've taken the time to list out what you're targeting and what will make the biggest impact on your life, and you have that written on a, a pad of paper or on your laptop, then you have a reference point. And let's say you open this job offer and it's $12,000 more than you're earning. Now you go back and you compare that to the notes you've written and you're, maybe you say, okay, well, money is fifth on my list and I'm already doing really well financially. So maybe that's not enough reason to jump at this offer without digging deeper. It's really good insights there, Byron. 
And in a second, we can actually circle back to, you know, should I take potentially a salary cut if it's more in alignment with my career? But your blog has so much good content, I think, for job seekers. And in one article, point to other research you should be doing as a job seeker after you receive a job offer from a company. I think a good example that you brought up was company reviews, which I honestly would not have thought to do. But can you talk about company reviews and any other things that I should be doing as a job seeker to research? I think, well, Glassdoor was, I think, the first site that really became well known for publishing employee reviews. But now there are many. You can simply search Google for the company name and then employee reviews. See what people are writing. See what the overall sentiment is. And I like to also, in the job interview, I like to ask the employer, why is the position open? And what have the people who previously held this role gone on to do in your company? see what this can lead to, see if people are tending to quit the company immediately after this role, or if, if the employer can point to successful individuals who are still in their company who have used this as a launching pad or a place to, to begin a longer career in that company. Yeah, I think you're saying something so valuable and so overlooked, which is don't just talk to the company about how awesome the company is because they're going to say that they're awesome no matter what they have to it's part of their hr job description to make themselves look as attractive as possible but the analogy that i like to make is it's like shopping for apartments or houses and only talking to the people who put up the listing about how great the house is you need to talk to other residents or people in the area who know what it's like to live there Otherwise, you're going to hear nothing but positive things. And I love the idea also about talking to people about where they end up afterwards. I think that's another really good insight because we need to think a little bit more beyond like where we're at right now and where we're moving. And so I think by looking at what other job seekers are doing and what their trajectory is, I think that's really powerful stuff there. For sure. One good thing, I think. From what I've seen, more employers are giving candidates an opportunity to meet with more than just the hiring manager during the interview process. So for example, that last recruiting firm that I joined in, in the story I told earlier, they let me meet with a regular employee who was going to be one of my peers. And she was relatively new on the team too. And so companies that you're talking to, if, if you can meet with other team members, if you sense that the interview process seems to only be you talking to maybe HR and then the hiring manager and that's it, I think it's appropriate and professional and reasonable to ask if you can also meet with somebody who would be your peer or your team member if you're hired into this position and ask them some questions about why they joined the company and some good and bad surprises they've found and maybe their favorite part about being on the team and their least favorite part and ask some good questions there. I love that. So let's talk about timing for evaluating our job offers here. I just had a friend who got a really attractive job offer. They were very emotional about it because like we mentioned earlier, the pay was really good. It was exactly what they needed. And the company even said, you know, can you let us know by tomorrow, like as soon as possible? So what do you have to say in regards to timing out your job offers and how much time you should be thinking about making your decision? Because this is crucial. It's such a big decision, I think you always want to ask for time. And to directly answer your question, I think it's reasonable to ask for up to a business week. So five days. Uh. Uh, if you receive an offer on Monday, I think it's reasonable to ask for anything up to the next Monday. So one full week. If you're asking for more than that, you really need to provide a specific reason. Okay. But a week is okay, you're saying? 
Yeah, up to one business week, seven days, five business days. I think it's a bit of a red flag if a company wants your response tomorrow on a job offer. I think a top company, I recruited in software technology for my final year, and we worked with some really some top companies where top software engineers and data scientists were going in and out of. And a top company like that who's talking to top candidates knows that those candidates are not going to make their decision overnight and they need to talk to their family about it. They need to look at the salary, the bonuses, the equity, the health insurance plan. There's so much that goes into it. It's such a big decision. And so it's a bit of a red flag to me if a company says, well, can you let us know by tomorrow morning? To me, that's a, a tiny bit amateurish. and might suggest that they're, I don't know what the right term is, small time or just really not accustomed to dealing with Top tier candidates. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a schemey sales tactic too. It's like, you know, it's a little bit like you're pressuring people to make an emotional decision and not to be rational about it. So companies, if you're listening right now, don't do what we just talked about because we got to give our job seekers time to make the right decision for them because it's going to be right for you in the long run. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to at least ask for more. If they ask for more days and hear what they say. What I was going to say is like, is there a respectful or like less awkward way to word this to people if you want more time or if you do have to evaluate having more than one job offer? If you have an offer and you think another might be coming through, sometimes you get lucky and, you, and that other offer is going to come soon enough that you can simply ask that first employer for five days, which is pretty normal. And then you want to run to that other, that second employer and tell them, hey, listen, I have an offer. Is there anything we can do to speed up this interview process with you guys, because I'm also really, really interested in, in your opportunity. If you're getting to the point where you do think you need more time or you really want to let this second offer come in, I do think it's also okay to tell the first employer that you're excited about their offer, but you are in process with one other firm and you've pretty far along in their interview process. And you'd also like the opportunity to see that through. And you can yeah. tell them that you're not sending out your resume and trying to stack up more and more interviews. But, you know, your goal in your job search is to, it should be to, to find the best fit for your career. Yeah. And you shouldn't be out there just accepting whichever of these two offers happens to get issued to you first. You can tell them that you would have done the same for them if this other firm had happened to offer their role three days sooner. You're looking for the right fit, not just whichever one happens to come out there first. And I think yeah. most employers will understand that. But if you do this, you can execute it perfectly, like I said. It's still possible that the first employer will say, we're really sorry, we need to know by this Thursday or, you know, Thursday's all we can do. And that's fine. Now, you know, and you can make the best decision for you. And it depends on if you're unemployed, which opportunity sounds better so far, your financial situation. There's a lot that goes into it. But at least now, you know. Yeah. And thank you for laying that out. I think the reason I ask is because I've encountered job seekers who they'll receive an offer. And they're still right. They're still waiting on the other company to make an offer. And it just doesn't time out that correctly. And so I think you're emboldening people to be able to have those conversations and be transparent, um, which I think a lot of cases helps to be transparent with people, because we're all just trying to make the right decision to make the right fit. Because the last thing you want is for your dream company to come back five days after the original offer and make you an offer and then all of a sudden you accepted something and you're considering going back on the offer which is perfectly legal does it burn bridges maybe but i know this does cause a lot of job seekers stress and heartache so i think it's good to be transparent which is what you're alluding to earlier and having those real honest conversations 
I agree. You can do everything you can, and sometimes it still just doesn't come out right. And you just do the best you can, but it's an imperfect balance. And one of the first jobs I took two weeks later, another company that was much more interesting to me got back to me and wanted to interview me. And I was two weeks into this new position. And, you know, some, sometimes you do everything right. And it's still, there's just some luck involved. And sometimes the timing doesn't line up well. And you have to make tough decisions. You just have to do the best you can and decide what's best for your career and your bank account and your life. Now we're trying to do is just do the best. So that totally makes sense. When I talk about prioritizing the components of the job offer, it's something we talked about in our last conversation, Byron, but there are so many bells and whistles and components and elements, you know, things like PTO, things like bonuses and, you know, opportunities for advancement. But what should I be thinking about in terms of how to prioritize these different components? Because there's just so much. It's a good question. It could be overwhelming. This is another spot where your own personal list of priorities can come into play and can be helpful if you wrote out what's important to you. So if you're starting a family, maybe the health plan is really, really important. But I think in general, candidates should prioritize base salary in most cases over bonuses. And a lot of times bonuses are based on your base salary. So a lot of companies will issue a job offer with a 10% bonus. And so by increasing, that's 10% of your base salary. So by increasing your base salary, you're also increasing those bonuses. And from everything I've seen is base salary tends to carry over or be easiest for you as a candidate to continue carrying over to future employers and building upon, not just carrying over, but receiving a bump up each time you move. Whereas if you put all this effort into building up a really impressive bonus, like an amazing bonus, you might just go to the next company in your career and they might say, sorry, everybody's at a 12% bonus. That's just how we run. Or vacation time too, you might work your way up to five and a half weeks at one company. And then the next company says, sorry, everybody starts at two and a half. All that negotiating you've done can be out the, out the drain, if you, down the drain, if you take that okay. new job. I want to talk about the concept of leverage and you clearly know about this more than I do, you know, in terms of being in the recruiting world and whatnot. But is it true that as a job seeker, if I have two, three different offers, I have significantly more leverage than if I had just one? And if so, what can I do with that leverage to respectfully talk about negotiating different parts of my offer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you have a ton more leverage. You'll have a ton more confidence, too, to ask for things that you want. But Real things that you can do. If one company and job is more interesting to you, but their offer isn't as good as another company, you can pretty easily, in my opinion, go to them and you can say, listen, your company is my first choice. I'm really excited about the role. I love everything we've talked about in these interviews. However, I have two other offers, whatever it is. Both of those offers are higher. If you can match this other offer. So you can say, I have an offer at 110000 I know you offered 92000 is there any way you can bring your base salary up to 110? If so, your role is far more interesting to me and I'm comfortable accepting your offer on the spot if we're able to do that. Being totally honest and transparent with what you're laying it all out clearly in front of them. Exactly. And normally, I think you should always take time to weigh an offer. So I don't normally recommend accepting an offer on the spot. But if you've already sat on this offer and possibly another offer, and now you're going back to this employer to make a specific request, yeah, I think it's a nice touch to say, if we're able to do this one thing, I'm comfortable accepting your offer on the spot. It makes it more tangible for the hiring manager and they can really clearly picture, okay, if I go back and get approved for the, if I get this one thing approved by HR, 
we've got this person. This is the home stretch. For sure. I think so many job seekers lose money on the table, not just money, but other things too, by not asking because people are afraid to ask. They're afraid that it's going to make them look, I don't know, maybe money centric or something like that. But at the end of the day, this is just business and people trying to create optimal situations for themselves, just the best situation for their family, the best situation for their business. And so even going back to this negotiations class I took one time, I think the biggest key takeaway for me was to ask and to actually not be afraid to do so. And I remember our professor was very like the one assignment he made us do every single week was we had to go out and try to ask or negotiate something, no matter if it was something really small, like getting something really small from like a marketplace. But there is so much left on the table by not asking. So I think that's a really good point you bring up. And there's really nothing to lose. Right. Yeah. If, if you don't ask, the answer is no. I think I saw a YouTube video where a young man went around just asking for discounts at places that are not going to give a discount. For example, at Starbucks, and he'd order a coffee <laughs> and he'd say, can I, I have a 20% too. discount? Yeah. And they, yeah. they were confused and they'd say, well, do you have a, like, a coupon or something? He was like, I would like a discount. And they'd often say no, but that really desensitized him to hearing no. And I'm sure that built up a lot of confidence and comfort in just making a clear request politely. Yeah. I recommend everyone here in the podcast listening, do this and try it out. And if you need a little bit of extra inspiration, we have a career warrior episode called rejection therapy, where I went out and asked like just completely ridiculous things, totally expecting a no in which I did get a no for most of those. But listeners, you'll have to check that episode to see what I asked because it was pretty ridiculous. So pivoting on over to the concept of sacrificing base salary. I know this is something that a lot of career changers face. If I'm looking to make a pivot from one industry to another or from one career path to another, oftentimes the fact that I don't have the experience within a particular field, like that direct experience, means that I'm taking a pay cut or I'm not going to be paid as highly as other people who have that experience. So I'll just ask the general philosophical question for you is, should you sacrifice base salary when it comes to better career growth or higher opportunities? It's an interesting question. It's a, a good question. I think without a doubt, for a lot of people in a lot of situations, it does make sense. And it's a really good move to sacrifice a little bit of salary if you see an opportunity to learn and grow and build skills that are important to you and that are going to lead to future opportunities and future jobs that pay well. But I think in particular for career changers, you might not necessarily need to pay, take a pay cut. And of course, it depends on which industry you are in, which industry you're moving to. But I think your focus in that case should be tailoring your resume or your CV to be as relevant as possible for the roles you're pursuing now. So to take all of that past experience you do have in whatever type of work you were doing and make it relevant and think about how to present it as being relevant. I remember early in my career... So while I was in university, I had a part-time job at Whole Foods Market. I was a cashier, and then I was promoted to supervisor. So retail, not a corporate office job, not a job where a degree is required. And then I remember that after I graduated from UMass, I got my degree in finance, I left that Whole Foods job on my resume, and it was the topic that employers cared most about. They kept asking me about it in my <laughs> interviews. I had my degree. I was looking for office jobs now, and they're asking me about Whole Foods. And it's because yeah. some things transfer across all industries. A, they saw I got promoted. I think anytime you've been promoted to a second 
higher role within the same company, you should always break that out on your resume and show the dates and different job titles. Show that advancement. Companies only promote people who are doing well. They don't, I agree. They don't promote people who are not trusted and not performing. And they saw other responsibilities that I had. They saw I was mentoring and trading, training and leading a team. Uh, I was responsible for a bunch of cash in the store. And they saw that that was relevant. And I was just, I was surprised for how many years employers continued to ask about that on my resume and continued to bring that up in interviews. So that's what you should try to do as a career changer is, is find ways to show those transferable skills. And that makes so much sense. And I've even heard, you know, career coaches who have come on this podcast who've said some people are not necessarily cutting their pay to make these types of transition and moves because they found ways to sell whatever past experience they had in a relevant way. But, and this is completely philosophical, but, and I'm not preaching this on everyone, but I will say I, in my own life, have taken a big pay cut in order to find more meaning in my career. And it has paid off so much. And I know there are other people who have done the same. I'm not saying you have to do it. Don't do it if you don't have to. But sometimes it's just a temporary cut that lasts, you know, maybe a year, two years. But after that, if you care enough about a job and you're passionate about it and you're willing to put in more time and more of your resources to invest in yourself, then that pay is going to increase over time and you're going to end up with more than you had in the beginning. So I think, I don't know if this is a motif of this episode, but I don't think it's all about the immediate job offer, the money like right now you know, barring the fact that some people need to make ends meet with whatever they have in their personal lives. I'm not, I'm not discounting any of that. But I'd say if you can always choose the position that's going to be a better career fit for you. And it sounds like you're saying something similar. I completely agree. 100%. Unless you're in the last five years of your career, and you just want to grab Good as point. much cash as you can, if you're, if you're 57, <laughs> and you want to stop when you're 63, then get the money, get that money. But otherwise, yeah. yeah, I think you should go for the skills and the work that you're really excited about and that you want to build a career upon because nothing's going to beat that in the long run. And I don't want to steal this uh, quote from you or you found it from, but there was a metaphor about rowing boats that I think you gave during a last conversation. It's not important how hard you row the boat. That, that one, do you remember it, Byron? Yeah, but I, I didn't do my research to be able to give proper credit. I'm taking it from somebody. I'm not passing this off as mine, but the quote that I remember it's hearing genius. is, it, it doesn't matter as much how hard you row the boat, but rather which boat you were in. And uh, that Truth. was something I heard recently, but I had my own version of that floating around in my head years and years ago. And different jobs will pay you different amounts for performing well. And most people are not paid for how hard they work. People don't realize that, but... If people were paid for how hard they work, then a janitor would earn a lot more. And gosh, I mean, the most stressful job and hardest job I ever had was a, a summer job waiting tables at Rattucci's restaurant. It was miserable. I couldn't cut it. I couldn't hack it at all. I was sweating. I was forgetting the menu. <laughs> Nobody was paying me millions, though. And so yeah. <laughs> you've got to get in the right boat if you care about earning a ton of money. You've got to be in a, a boat with leverage and, and where you're making a big impact on a company or impacting a, a huge amount of people. For example, if you started a YouTube channel that had millions of viewers, you're reaching a huge audience and you'll be paid a lot for the advertisements that run on that channel. That's a very high leverage boat, so to speak. Great insight. Great insight. All right, Byron, thank you so much for joining us in the podcast today. You're an excellent guest and I can't wait to keep in touch. My pleasure. Thanks.
Perfect. Now, listeners, this wraps up episode 258 of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior podcast. We have never covered in detail how to evaluate multiple job offers. And I think Byron did such a great job in giving us things to think about when it comes to evaluating two or more job offers. So go back, listen to this episode. You know, that's my recommendation. If this is something that you really need to think about, we are here for you. Please also post this episode on LinkedIn and tag both of us. If you have any questions, I would love to see what you were thinking, and I will respond personally to every single post, comment, things like that. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We have lots of great content coming up. You know we post every Monday morning. Can't wait to see you next time. Go out and be warriors. Career Warrior Podcast. And before you go, remember, if you're not seeing the results you want in your job search, our highly trained team of professional resume writers here at Let's Eat Grandma can help. Head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast to get a free resume critique and $70 off any one of our resume writing packages. We talk all the time on the show about the importance of being targeted in your job search. And with our unique writing process and focus on individual attention, you'll get a resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile that are highly customized and tailored to your goals to help you get hired faster. Again, head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.